Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. Tom Tilly and Katrina Blowers with you. And Katrina, the big story over the weekend in world news is this deadly earthquake in Morocco, a 6.8 magnitude earthquake with the death toll just continuing to go up. It's now over 2,000, 2,100 with possibly more. Yeah, so today on The Briefing, we're going to be speaking with a journalist who lives 300 kilometres away, but she still felt the quake. That is how much of an impact this has made on the people of Morocco. Um, She's going to share with us some stories of people who are too frightened to return to the rubble of their homes, so they're out sleeping in the streets, which of course presents its own set of dangers, and what the rescue efforts and recovery efforts that are underway right now as that death toll figure is expected to keep climbing. All right, more on that in our briefing. Let's get into the other big news stories of the day. And there's some big news that has just broken. The president of the Spanish Football Federation, Luis Rubiales, has announced his resignation three weeks after kissing Jennifer Hermosa at the FIFA World Cup in Australia. Some friends very, very close to me, and they say to me, Luis, now... You have to focus in your dignity and to continue your life because if not, probably you are going to damage people you love. Yeah, so there he is. That's Mm -hmm. part of an interview he's just given on the Piers Morgan TV show. Uh, In a statement, he explained further, it is evident that I will not be able to return to my position. Uh, Insisting on waiting and holding on is not going to contribute to anything positive, neither to the Federation nor to Spanish football. And Tom, just last week, Jenny Hermoso, uh, the soccer player in question, filed a police complaint against him for sexual assault. Yeah, shortly after that, he knew his future in that job was completely over. He's finally now accepted what pretty much the rest of the world already knew. You know, it's just been an absolute mess since that moment that should have been an incredible moment of elation and and victory for the Spanish women's team when they won the World Cup here in Australia. Um, I guess now, Katrina, those women can finally celebrate um, without it being tarnished by these men they clearly detested, including Luis Rubiales, and, and many of them didn't like the coach, Jorge Vilda, who was sacked last week. Yeah, what what a messy end to a, a really, just an ugly chapter. And, and as you say, Tom, let's hope that we can file this away and celebrate this amazing result for what it truly was. New polling for the voice referendum shows Tasmania is the only state voting yes. The polling in the nine newspapers shows net support for the voices slipped into negative territory in Victoria, New South Wales and South Australia. And that's despite the release of the campaign featuring John Farnham's hit, You're the Voice. Uh, It was thought that those bigger states were voting yes, but Tom, now that's looking Mm. less likely. Yeah, and the polling said that the more people engage with this question, the less people are likely to vote for it. And there's just over a month to go. It's really hard to see anything that could dramatically change that narrative, Katrina, of falling support for The Voice. 
I just keep thinking that we are yet to have as many conversations. I think, you know, off the cuff, like I'm thinking, you know, barbecue conversations, that type of thing. They're still not the conversations that I'm hearing people want to have, at least not in the circles that I move in. I reckon that is going to really ramp up closer to the referendum. And that's when I believe people are truly going to make up their minds. Yeah, well, some people decide on the way to the polling booth. You know, they've heard the noise, but when it really, you know... the rubber really hits the road is when they're actually walking in. So we'll wait and see. And in Hollywood news, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis have issued an apology, a bit of an awkward apology, some people are saying, for writing character references for that 70s show actor Danny Masterton. Uh, before he was sentenced for rape, he got 30 years to life, which is a really big sentence. We are aware of the pain that has been caused by the character letters that we wrote on behalf of Danny Masterson. We support victims. We have done this historically through our work and will continue to do so in the future. So that's the video posted to Instagram yesterday by Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis. And they were among 50 people that wrote letters of support for Danny Masterson. Um, They described him as a brother figure whose stance against drugs Um, and commitment to family was admirable, but he was convicted of drugging and raping the two women nearly 20 years ago, and he met them in the Church of Scientology. Macedon was a well-known Scientologist, and he's maintained his innocence the whole way along, but he's been found guilty, and this is... um, I mean, how do you you write a character reference and then a few months later apologise for it? It's a strange position they're taking here, Katrina. Uh, I agree. I think, though, that given they claim to be, you know, working with victims of sexual assault and, and well aware of, you know, the complexities around these issues, I, I think they should have potentially thought a bit better before they did this. It, it's because, you know, good people can do bad things and they should know that, that no matter how good a bloke someone is, what a good friend they are, or even how much you think they might have changed, people are complex and they have the propensity to act completely differently in different circumstances. So, you know, I think it's some of the language that they might have used in the letters that are upsetting people the most. I mean, Kunis wrote that he is a man of innate goodness. Um, well, clearly, clearly not if he has been found guilty of this. And Kutcher said um, that Masterton, he, in his opinion, did not pose an ongoing harm to society. And again, Kutcher's not really qualified to make that type of pronouncement. Well, the victims um, spoke as part of the court process as well. Um, they had very different views. They said, when you raped me, you stole from me. Um, it was a theft of the spirit. And one of the other victims said, you're pathetic, disturbed and completely violent. The world is better off with you in prison. Yeah, gosh. I mean, look, Kutcher and Kunis, it it seems that they were trying to do what they thought was right. But yeah, a little bit short-sighted, I think, from, from the two of them. All right, we're about to go to the ground in Morocco to find out the impact of this latest quake where it's believed the next 48 hours of rescue and recovery are going to be critical.
It is the most powerful earthquake Morocco has suffered in 120 years. Over 2,000 people have died so far and at least 2,000 more are injured. Now the race is on to try and recover survivors from the rubble. We are joined by journalist from Moroccan National Radio, Umaima Azelzouli. Umaima, whereabouts were you when the quake hit and did you feel it? Yes, I did. So the earthquake struck uh, around or a little bit shortly after 11 p.m. I was at my home, just like most Moroccans, we were getting ready to go to sleep. And then uh, the earthquake struck. And so a lot of people were just jolting off of their beds, jumping out of their beds. And uh, there was like a general state of panic. And we did not... I think at first assimilate what was happening and it was until uh, a few minutes later that we understood that um, we were just witnessing and living an earthquake and so what was uh, just like a few seconds felt like an eternity and we all rushed out of our homes into the streets. For people who don't know sort of the geography of Morocco, where did this quake hit? Where was the epicenter and then where has the worst damage been? The epicenter of this quake was located in the High Atlas Mountains, which is uh, in, in the Al Hausa province, which is about 72 kilometers uh, southwest of Marrakesh, which is uh, like the touristic and economic hub. So this is mostly where the damage has been um, has been affected by the impact of the quake was felt uh, as far north as in Rabat, the capital city of Morocco in Casablanca in Tangiers and there has even uh, there have been news reports of uh, of the impact of this earthquake uh, reaching uh, Spain and Portugal as well wow okay so when you felt that initial quake was it was it something that felt so significant that you knew that this was this was going to cause a lot of damage I think at first, because here I'm in Rabat, it's uh, it's a little bit uh, far away from uh, where the most of the damage has happened, but we could feel uh, the earth like shaking um, beneath us. So I think um, because it shook so much, it was really violent. So I could only imagine how bad it was for uh, the people located in the epicenter of the quake. So even here, uh, in Rabat and in neighboring uh, cities, uh, people really got scared and there was a general sense of panic. As I said, people left their homes because they were afraid that buildings would topple down. And uh, really, there there was also like the feeling after of um, just people being scared that there would be aftershocks and also, and this is uh, this is a feeling that is uh, lingering uh, up to this uh, very moment. So, uh, so yeah, it was it was definitely something that we I think were not equipped <laughs> to to handle, and it was uh, it was a lot worse than we could uh, than we initially imagined. It was. Uh, after like the the next day that we realized how bad it was when we saw the the initial death toll that was uh, at around uh, 296 people dying and then it got a lot worse now it's more than 2122 deaths 
So the area that has been hardest hit, as you mentioned, is uh, the Atlas Mountains and towns in and around the Atlas Mountains. We are hearing that there are some villages that have even been um, completely destroyed. Describe for us what those villages are like. Are they old villages? What, what's the population like up there? So what you need to know about those uh, specific areas that have been uh, the hardest hit is that they are villages that are located in the foothills of the mountains. They are a little bit secluded, which hinders a little bit the uh, underground uh, relief and rescue efforts because it's really hard to access these uh, these areas. There, there are no, I would say, strong infrastructure. Plus, those buildings are not uh, were not built to withstand uh, such uh, violent uh, tremors and all. And uh, what is more is that the people who live in these areas are already people who are poor, who live in precarious conditions, who don't have access to a lot of amenities and uh, things that other uh, citizens of Morocco enjoy in other parts in bigger cities. So it's really hard to even go uh, go to these places, which is why it's um, it's taken this long actually to reach some of the villages. For instance, the village of Asni has, uh, there have been eyewitness accounts that, it, that the village has been completely basically wiped out and that a lot of people have, have died there and have lost their families, their um, their loved ones, their pets, their livelihoods. It's uh, It's really a tragic and very, very hard situation up there. Yeah, we're hearing about people um, and sometimes elderly people who are too scared to even return to the rubble of their homes. They're out sleeping in the streets. Um, if this Absolutely. continues on for a few days with so many people without shelter, without food, without electricity, uh, it, yeah, it's it's just going to be an extraordinary, it's, it's a huge scale disaster already, but the impact on those individuals is going to be even greater. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, as I said, um, the people there already uh, suffer from uh, very precarious living conditions, and now they have lost it all. And uh, we have also bigger cities like Marrakesh. As I said, Marrakesh is the tourism capital of Morocco. It has a lot of the infrastructure that these villages lack, but people have spent uh, for the second consecutive night, uh, just they have uh, slept outside out of fear of aftershocks and because as i said the infrastructure especially in the asian part of the city is not built to withstand the the violent uh, quake and even with the aftershock although it may its intensity may be lesser but it will definitely compromise uh, structures that have already been weakened by the initial quake so we've got the death toll already in the thousands. Has there been an update on that? And when do you think people will be able to get a true picture um, once they're able to start going through the rubble? When do you think that true picture is going to emerge of the toll of this quake? So basically now, as I said, the official death toll has been uh, has been established to be at around 2,122 uh, dead and 2,421 injured 
people, uh, of whom more than 2,000 are seriously injured. Uh, I think Moroccan authorities are still a little bit wading through. They still are surveying the damage. It's too early uh, to really have a full picture of the extent of the disaster, but Obviously, as I said, since um, the epicenter of this quake has been in uh, areas that are really secluded, really hard to reach. So the rescue teams and the specialized units, uh, units that have been deployed there are taking time to actually reach those people. And um, plus, since the, the, the disaster has been such that complete villages have been wiped out and destroyed. So I, I can only imagine that a lot of people are still trapped and rescue efforts are, are still ongoing to pull these people out of the rubbles. So I think it's not before like uh, maybe a few days or even weeks that we get a better understanding of, uh, of like the full extent of this uh, catastrophe. That was Umaima Azelzouli, who is a journalist with Moroccan National Radio and lives in Rabat. Many governments from around the world have been offering help and support. The Red Cross has also launched an emergency fundraising appeal. Um, there are fears that the full scale of this destruction is only likely to become apparent in the coming days. So this is one that we're going to keep an eye on and um, plenty of places around if you do want to donate. I'm sure that many, many people are going to need to rebuild. Listener.